0: Hey everybody, Christian here. Uh, on today's bonus content, uh, we recorded uh, what I think is a, a really interesting conversation um, with uh, a fantasy author, uh, Justin Sloan. Um, we talked about, uh, among a few other things, uh, we talked about what it's like writing for writing fantasy for video games, and also um, writing fantasy when you've been in the military. Uh, so I think it's a it's a really cool uh, kind of um, uh, craft side. Uh, a chat that uh, I think you'll you'll enjoy. Uh, before that, though, wanted to give you guys uh, a few updates on what's going on in the in the sphere of uh, Once and Future Nerd. Uh, I'm happy to announce that uh, we have uh, a completed draft of Chapter One of Book Two, and that uh, we're about to go into the writers' room to write Chapter Two and to Get chapter one in a producible state. Uh, that's going to happen in the next couple weeks. And then uh, once we have those scripts, I'm hoping that we'll be, uh, you know, schedules permitting uh, for everyone involved that we'll be able to go into uh, production by um, October or November. So um, the, the big old train with lots of moving parts uh, is rolling, and there uh, will be new episodes of the once-and-future nerd in the foreseeable future. Um, elsewhere, uh, if you guys uh, remember a little while back, uh, I went on a podcast called The Great Albums Podcast to talk about my favorite album of all time, uh, Born to Run by Bruce Springsteen, um, and uh, Bill from The Great Albums Podcast. Uh, his band has uh, an album coming out. Um, he sent me uh, an advance review copy, and, uh, you know, you never, when, when, when someone you've, been on a podcast with is like hey check out my album you have that moment of like Ugh, how's this gonna be but um i i loved the record uh i thought it was really enjoyable um you know genuinely moving well arranged well recorded i i feel really good about recommending this if you like springsteen or hold steady or gaslight anthem uh this is a this is a really solid album uh that I think you'll enjoy. It drops on uh, September tenth, and you can find it at uh, smallplanetradio.com. The name of the band is uh, Small Planet Radio, and the album is Anywhere at All. And finally, uh, sorry, Bill, you're going to you're going to lose top billing to one of the uh, once future nerd uh, family in uh, in more ways than one. Um, Our co-executive producer, Jess, uh, she is launching a podcast of her own. It's called Engagement Therapy. And it's people telling true wedding stories. And it's people being truthful about the things that you usually don't tell the truth about um, when you talk about uh, weddings. And um, Jess is, uh, aside from the questionable decision to marry me, uh, Jess is one of the smartest and most emotionally genuine people uh, that I have ever known. And uh, the show is going to be fantastic. And if you're, if you're married, if you're thinking about getting married, if you're thinking about thinking about getting married, it, I think you'll really enjoy hearing that, you know, no wedding is perfect and it's okay to, to talk about the, the things that, that scare you. So that's coming out uh, on Tuesday, uh, September 6th uh, at engagementtherapy.com or you can search for uh, Engagement Therapy on iTunes. I'm going to uh, drop the, the trailer at the end end of of this episode. Uh, But now without uh, further ado, here is my conversation with Justin Sloan. Thanks. Okay, so I am here uh, with fantasy author, uh, among uh, many other hats that he wears, uh, Justin Sloan. And uh, we're going to talk a bit about, uh, you know, writing fantasy in uh, different different media. Um, I think it's going to be an interesting perspective to get. Uh, Justin, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited.
0: Um, so, Justin, you have, uh, I mean, let's start with uh, what, are you, what are you working on right now?
1: Oh, my God. Some amazing <laughs> stuff, let me tell you. <laughs> uh, so, we recently optioned a screenplay with uh, the author, Sean Platt and David Wright. Uh, they run the self-publishing podcast.
0: Oh, that's great. And, Congratulations.
1: And, thanks. Yeah, we adapted one of their novels, and it recently sold, and that was awesome. And so, now, uh, I'm working with another author. We did a TV show and pilot that's out there and doing really well in some contests and we decided let's try adapting another person's book because that's kind of fun so we're adapting john l monk's book kick which is an amazing story it's basically like quantum leap meets dexter serial killer nice. murder mysteries yeah awesome so we're adapting that right now into a tv show and we're going to try to shop that around as well uh, fingers crossed so that that's really exciting of course because the property is awesome the people i'm working with are amazing um, but on my own, I'm doing the fourth. I recently outlined the fourth novel in my False Redemption fantasy trilogy. Uh, so it won't be a trilogy anymore, of course, once that's done. Sure. <laughs> I'll have to start seeing the series, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm working on the second book of a trilogy I'm doing with author Michael LaRon. And that's kind of a modern necromancy type thing. So, you know, like modern day, but trying to re- revive a lost loved one and things go wrong with the other guy, turns on him, betrays him to try to do a blood sacrifice to raise his own wife from the dead. Nice. And, Things go crazy, yeah, run amok, all that. We're kind of we're calling it para, paranormal such urban fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, although I'm sure it could go to many darker levels of
0: right. craziness. <laughs> yeah. So you do a lot of. It sounds like you do a lot of um, collaborative work. Uh, obviously, we're a we're a collaborative uh, show as well. I've got uh, my uh, writing partner Zach Glass, who uh, you know him and I wrote uh, all of the first. Uh, season of our show with and and for season two we're going to start to have an actual uh writer's room um with some of the cast um when you collaborate with with other writers are you are you in a in a room together are you you know working separately and then uh, and then comparing notes is it a uh in uh in in screenplay terminology is it a is it an ampersand or a, or a word and
1: <laughs> so it's it depends. Uh, of course, my video game experience was totally different. Uh, the majority of it has been at Telltale Games. Yeah, I'd, I'd good love good.
0: to come back to that in a yeah. little bit.
1: Yeah, so that part was a very different experience. So for first, since we'll come back to it, I'll focus on the novel and screenwriting side uh, very much uh, remotely. Uh, so we use Skype sometimes, but usually we just do email. I'm more of a an email kind of guy. I feel like every once in a while, if we just can't figure something out, then we get on the phone and we're like, dude, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> you <know? laughs> but generally it's, it's we just get a Google sheet going. We just throw stuff in there. We ping off of each other. If you have a great, you know, writing partner, then it's just like your ideas are just flowing with each other. And occasionally you'll shoot something down with each other because it's it's just not working. Yeah. But like working with Michael Aron and P.T. Hilton, these guys, it's just like, you know, we're we're on we're on with each other. Right. So we don't tend to need to do the calls. Um, that said, like working with uh, third parties, like working with. um Working with the, the author of, of Kick, John L. Monk, we get him on Skype because we don't want to just, you know, feel cold. You know, when mm-hmm. we're like a, talking about adapting his awesome material, he put his whole heart and soul into. We want to make sure that he knows that we care and that we're excited. So we get on the Skype and we're, you know, excited because we really are. And so he sees the smiles and he sees the enthusiasm. And I think that's important. But, but with each other, it's really just about making sure that the awesome material is there. And I feel like if I couldn't work that way with a partner, I probably wouldn't bother with it unless they were way more awesome than me. Right.
0: <laughs> well, that's. I mean, that's impressive that you've been able to to maintain that over kind of so many um, different different projects. And it sounds like with a lot of different um, different variables um, involved. Uh, now, are are you usually when you're looking for properties that that you adapt? Are are authors finding you because they've seen your other work are you approaching authors do you do you have an agent how does how does that work
1: let's see uh so for the property of sean platt and david wright what happened is kind of a fun like serendipitous story in a way Mm -hmm. um i had been on their podcast quite a while back the self-publishing podcast and i'm mostly talking about my my novels and telltale game stuff and all that and uh i think they brought me on because david wright likes video games and Game of Thrones and all that, Mm -hmm. you know, so. Uh, So I was on their show for, uh, I don't know, like a year ago. I don't know. And then one day I was listening to their podcast and they started talking about, oh, we might want to try to write screenplays someday. That would be fun. Make movies. And I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, nothing, nothing to it. Just kind of cool. And then one day I was just sitting there at home and I was like, you know what I want to do is I really want to start collaborating more because I see the value in that. Mm -hmm. And I really want to work on properties that are doing well because obviously there's a value in that. And so I just texted him, you know, just a little direct message and t- or sorry, not text tweeted, tweeted him, mm-hmm. Yeah, direct message and tweet, Twitter and said, hey, what's up, buddy? Uh, any interest in collaborating? And he messaged me back a few minutes later and says, hey, this is random. You're in San Francisco, right? So are we for one night only? We're mm-hmm. here and mm-hmm. even tomorrow morning. But you want to grab dinner and talk about this? <laughs> and so I was like, hell, yes, I do. So we got together at this awesome Peruvian restaurant and just decided to do it. And. Whatever months later, I think within a year, for sure, it was done and optioned, and uh, not just for like a dollar option either. You know, like I don't want to get into too right, specifics, right. but, but like a real a real make deal. A dent in my debt. Yeah.
0: Nice. <laughs> awesome. Well, congratulations. That's Thanks. that's lucky and awesome. I'm sure there was no small skill involved as well in uh, doing a successful adaptation. So so good for What's,
1: you. Thank you. What's crazy about this one was uh, like we had actually we'd adapted a few of their novels along the way. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I, I had paternity leave. So I figured, why not use some of that while my son, my newborn son was sleeping to yeah. write. some. Plays. So we did four total of Sean's novels uh, adapted. So we're shopping around the next one right now with fingers crossed. But that first one, it, we just felt the strongest about it. So we went out with it first. But yeah. uh, it was crazy responses. Like right away, we had 30 or more producers requesting it. And then within like a week, we had like 10 of those re- producers wanting to go forward with it and then within like another couple of weeks we had narrowed it down to two or three who were very serious about it mm-hmm. and wanted to move now and the rest of them were like we're still serious but we just haven't had time but yeah, yeah. the others were like we want it let's do it yeah uh, and then then we narrowed it down to the one and then of course that took however like a couple months before <laughs> just because lawyers got involved
0: right 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 yeah oh that's great um so I guess we should. Uh, we've kind of teased at it a bit, but we uh, we should come back to. Um, you were you were a writer on uh, Telltale Games' uh, Game of Thrones series, um, which uh, I I personally have not played, but I've heard um, really awesome things. Can can you give? Uh, can you start by just kind of explaining? Uh, you know what the games are like to people who maybe aren't familiar.
1: Yeah, and one reason that those games definitely intrigued me is the answer to that question, which is they're very much like a a TV show or a movie, except for they're interactive. So it's Mm -hmm. not just like running around and hack and slashing. It's nonstop, you know, narration. It's nonstop, not narration, but, you know, uh, like a very, a narrative Mm -hmm. story and you're, you're playing along and you're role playing and people are talking to you and asking questions or making comments. And the main way that you play, uh, aside from a few little QTEs, quick time actions, which are like, you know, swipe left, swipe right, left, right. <laughs> hit X now. That kind right, of stuff. right. The main way you play is by making dialogue choices. So like three will pop up or a silent and silence is always a viable option. Mm-hmm. And one of your choices might be like irritated or one might be distrustful or one might be something else. And it doesn't say that it says the words, but you you get the feel of which ones they are. And, and you might not know exactly what kind of impact that'll have, but it's pretty much always going to have. A negative impact, no matter what you pick, and a positive impact. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. that's what makes it fun, you know. But it rewards you in different ways or punishes you in different ways. And that's that's the the fun role-playing aspect of those games. So I got involved by uh, reaching out to a whole bunch of people, networking like crazy mm-hmm. on LinkedIn mostly, and talking to a bunch of people over at Pixar and found out a few people had moved over to Telltale. So I looked it up and I was like, wow, they're they're doing a Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah. That's the reason I got started writing in the first place was the Game right, of Thrones right. novels. I got to get over there. And so I started, uh, you know, making sure that my writing samples were spot on and applying. And I emailed people and said, hey, just to let you know, I put in my application, hope to meet you guys there at some point for an interview. And uh, one of the people I talked to over at Pixar uh, wrote me back after I started the interview process with HR and said, hey, I heard you're in the process now. That's awesome. If you make it, uh, I'll be your boss. (laughs) Hmm. So that was pretty cool. It wasn't like we were buddy-buddy, but it was, you know, a guy that I interacted with and knew was really cool and knew was passionate about writing and screenwriting and all that. And he... Knew the same about me because of the questions I had asked him. And, you know, just what well, I'd been making a concentrated effort to make sure that my web presence and LinkedIn and all that really represented who I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. So I think that played through and, and magic happened.
0: Yeah. That's uh, that's really cool. Um, so I, I guess I'm curious because I, you know, I, I play a lot of games. I, um, you know, obviously I, I do a bit of, of writing, uh, but I've never. I guess I've always, I've, I've had a lot of thoughts, but never attempted to, to write for a, a game. And I, I guess I just want to hear your thoughts on, um, what that's like. You know, how do you, how do you write, um, for a, a medium where, uh, choice is built in, especially because, um, I guess, you know, kind of, psychologically motivated fiction which is you know the fiction that i know how to write and that you know george r R. martin writes and and we all enjoy you know it's kind of almost like for a given character while they have choices there's almost like it's only there's only like one thing they're going to do in a in a situation because of of who they are you you know what i mean yeah so it's like i'm very interested to hear how Um, how you guys, when you were writing that, that game, how you balance like, um, having, you know, gamified choice while also keeping some kind of, um, psychological coherence for, for the characters. I guess that's what, what fascinates me.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think what's awesome about that is, you know, we never deviate from character. Like it's always still the character and it's always still based on what came from before. And mm-hmm. that makes it hard, of course, because you can't just have three random choices. They all right. have to be what would that character actually do right now in that moment? And what it's really done great for me, which doesn't answer your question, but is I think <laughs> interesting pointing out here is it's made me think about that more in my fiction, too. Like mm-hmm. when you get to a choice or a moment in your book where your character would make a choice, it's uh, or in screenplay or whatever, um, instead of just thinking of, you know, the first thing that comes to mind, it it's really helped me to sit back and think, what are the options here that this character might do like? you know, based on who they know that character to be or the scenario that they find themselves right now ba- versus what they've already gone through up to this point and really sit back and go through these options sometimes. And maybe I don't do it on the first draft, but when I'm reading back through it, I'm like, oh, but what if instead they were a little more conniving right here mm-hmm. or a little more distrusting or a little bit more kingly, like I am holier than thou type thing, you know? Uh, and so that was what's fun about writing those too is you get to explore all those paths and you're getting paid to do it. So yes. that's that's always a plus. Um, it could get uh, tedious sometimes because you're at a moment where you're, like you said, kind of um, feeling this character is going to do this now. There's no way they would do anything else. Right. <laughs> but that's when you kind of just have to, you know, put your pedal to the metal or put your head to the grindstone or whatever the saying is. <laughs> right. right. And, and come up with some other things that they could possibly do and and make them feel as likely and as rewarding. And that's, of course, the challenge. And you'll see some people. In comments on YouTube videos and whatnot, feel that there's certain moments that weren't that way and I imagine that that probably was a big thought process in the writer's head at the time too mm-hmm. and <laughs> they did their best to address it but there's just certain times like if you've played those games you'll see like choices occur every you know few minutes every 30 seconds or w- whatever it is I don't know off the top of my head but, right but it feels kind of unnatural to how it would be in real life sometimes because you don't always have to make all that many choices right you know. <laughs> and that's I think where some of that struggle comes comes through is trying to make sure that it's that gamified version all the way along. Um, right. Writing other games, uh done a little bit of in similar ways, like for a Pocket Gems episode and um some other little mobile things that I've consulted on and whatnot. Uh very different, but still has a lot of that without as much pressure. Because there's a difference of somewhere like Telltale where there's a lot of writers working on a property and a lot of people involved along the chain and you're in-house and they're all looking over your shoulder. Mm-hmm. Uh, that feels very different than some of these other places i have been where you're kind of at home just doing your thing and you turn it in and then you get feedback, yes or no. A um, lot less pressure in that way.
0: Right. Yeah. So how many people were you, were you working with when when you were doing the Game of Thrones games?
1: Uh, well, so an easy way to look at that is the credits on the games. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember exactly off the top of my head, but I would say that like generally you'll have... Anywhere from three to even at times like ten writers on one episode, which is a (laughs) two-hour, right? So it's pretty crazy, because a lot of times what you'll do is you'll divide it up by scenes, or maybe somebody will do a pass and somebody else will go back and do another pass or whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, so so my you know preferred method of working on all this stuff is you find somebody like on the novel side, P.T. Hilton or Michael Laurent and you know you work well together and you team up and you do it and you find each other's strengths and weaknesses. In an environment like that, you have no choice. You can't do right. that. You, you are paired up with who they pair you up with, depending on who's available and all that jazz. And so it's it's really just trying to make sure that you guys can do the best that you can do on both sides, given the allotted time, which is usually, you know, like two hours. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, it could definitely be a struggle. But, you know, for people who have played these games and loves them, Craig Mazin went uh, crazy for Game of Thrones. Yeah, I, remember that.
0: I think that's where I heard about him. There was, it was a one cool thing. <laughs> Yeah, on script yeah, notes,
1: sure. rightly so, and uh, <laughs> you know it just shows that this is paying off for for most people who are playing it. Um, the only negative parts I've heard from people are how depressing it can be. Because
0: sure, you know, it's still Martin's world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although
1: how? I'd argue, I've had this argument with some people before, but I won't go into it right now. But I would, I would argue that's not at all what Game of Thrones is about. You know, but yeah, I mean,
0: I think but I
1: that season five did that.
0: <laughs> it's not, um, you know, I know there's some fantasy where it's just like unrelentingly dark for no reason i think to george r R. R. martin's credit you know everything all there isn't a whole lot of random tragedy in game of thrones pretty much everything bad that happens gets uh you know can be traced back to a to a very specific character decision um so it's not just like i'm just gonna pummel you over the head with pain for no good reason
1: And I think there's very strong reasons behind all this, and it's all about setting the world right. Like the whole reason, not to spoil. Well, spoiler's kind of for people who might want to close ears for a few seconds.
0: Okay, seriously, uh, pause right now if you are not current on uh, the TV Game of Thrones and you don't want to find out who Jon Snow's mother is right here on this podcast. Just uh, stop and skip ahead. to about uh 20 minutes and 40 seconds okay you've been warned thanks
1: it, like the whole Lyanna <laughs> stark running with running away with Rhaegar, which was as we found out in season six spoiler spoiler right um you know not that she ran away with him he, she wasn't abducted by him but then like the whole war started with robert baratheon and, and then kind of because of that uh, but he never really loved her anyway he was engaged to her and had all his horrors and whatnot and and so it's like all this, this whole thing kind of started for the wrong reasons. And it seems like it's just kind of setting itself right again. Yeah. Um, and I also heard that George Martin was making a commentary on how the uh, patriarchal system or, you know, the system where men are all in control and how that just doesn't work. And that's why the show is now kind of veering towards the direction of women are all in charge. Uh, right. Including Jon Snow, who has long hair. So let's just lump him in there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know what I mean?
0: Well, if, if Jon Snow were smart, he'd be listening to Sansa a lot more. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. And that's, that is, yeah, they're showing that. So it's, it's kind of like this people who complain that the show is too, like, misogynistic or something and they're just not paying attention, I think.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a tough one because it's like, how how far do you go to make your point? There's always like a calculus, that's like true. you have yes. to like get to the, <laughs> it's hard to say whether something is worth it until we get to the end, you know, like exactly. I I could imagine a possibility of overshooting the mark and just being too if some of the violence in the final calculation ends up having been not worth what we got you know but um yeah there's
1: definitely some of that and i think hbo takes their liberties of trying to get reactions out of people
0: yes i think sometimes they they go <laughs> a little uh for shock value um but i think a lot of the choices they've made have been very good
1: oh my god yeah best show of all time so
0: yeah it's a damn good
1: show <laughs> so, um, sorry to distract
0: from no that. no no this is i mean it's like what are we talking about with fantasy if we're not gonna mention game of thrones um hey. but yeah so i mean speaking of like you know payoff and, and ending and stuff so because i'm you know not familiar with the with the telltale games how far like how far can your choices deviate the world like i, I assume there are you know multiple endings for the games uh, are do they tend to like constrain themselves to those individual character uh storylines because i know they're not book characters um or do they have like bigger implications for for westeros like how 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 badly do they let you screw things up in the game
1: yeah well speaking of game of thrones specifically the telltale game did have some of the show characters in there like Tyrion and cersei and
0: mm-hmm.
1: artery but not as uh, but not as
0: playable characters right yeah,
1: exactly and your choices, um, you know, everything has to go through HBO. And so there's that, uh, obviously we can't rewrite anything, change canon anyway, make up our own magic system or something, Right. <laughs> any of that, but anything that would work in between there. And, you know, it kind of took place in scenes off, off screen. So like there's, there's the red wedding or sorry, the purple wedding uh-huh. where, uh, uh, King Joffrey dies. Right. And, and that there's we have that scene, but we are with the handmaidens who are not invited to the party and they're off to of the side part. And then you hear the scream. And, and so it's a lot of that kind of stuff where you're impacting things, um, around the side of it. And mm-hmm. Tyrion will show up and he'll be more impacting your family, which is the foresters, which were mentioned in a uh, book five, I guess. Got yeah. It. And just briefly though. And so he's more impacting your family than you impacting his family. Although you'll have like some little spat between Cersei and Tyrion that, mm-hmm you know, it's, it, it it changes it in your mind of how their relationship interacted in that moment, but that's kind of part of their relationship so it doesn't change it, really. Uh, I think that's a good. If you want to look at the other games, though, of Telltale, like Walking Dead Season 2, that was a game where you had, uh, I think, six different endings, mm-hmm. but usually that's not like Telltale's MO. You know, Telltale's thing is more about the role-playing and more about the cool scenarios, and maybe you'll end the game with having certain people have hated you or betrayed you or uh, rewarded you in other ways, but it's not so much about, you know, choose your own adventure style books. That's not what it is. Where in those you're like, Oh, death path. Oh, over here, you did that. Well, you died. So over right. here, Oh, you died too. And <laughs> that's not the goal here. The goal is to like awesome experience that totally changes in different ways. If you are big B, you know, big bad wolf, big B guy in uh, the wolf among us, and you tore the guy's arm off, he's going to be pretty mad at you for a while. <laughs> that kind of stuff is, I think what makes those
0: games awesome. Cool. Um, Okay. So did I, uh, did I see correctly on your, on your website? Uh, you're a, are you, you're a U.S. Marine? Uh, yeah, I was in the Marines for five years, got out in 2004. Oh, thank you for your service. Um, I guess I, I'm curious, um, does having some degree of, of combat training influence your writing at, at all? Do you try to keep it very escapist? Do you try to, you know, let some of your knowledge inform your writing? How does that, play? Uh,
1: I definitely think it impacts it. Uh, so I was a Marine Corps martial arts instructor as part of my job there, which was quite fun getting to leave the work, the office for two hours and punch my boss in the nose.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> can't complain about that. It's rare uh, right now for, rare for most jobs, let alone the military. <laughs> yeah,
1: but uh, good times. Uh, so yeah, afterwards I went off and taught kickboxing and uh, trained a little bit in Thailand and other places, Japan, whatnot. And so obviously that's part of my life and my psyche who i am and all that and it definitely plays through in my books and a lot of my books do have action and violence of that sort like i don't go over the top they're all probably Mm -hmm. pg PG 13 but uh especially falls of redemption is a military fantasy kind of based on the peloponnesian war so you're gonna have some of that a lot of spear fighting sword fighting what have you and uh yeah i've been told that well also the screenwriting side of me you know helps with blocking so i think all that combined kind of uh, has, has led some readers and co-authors to tell me that I do a great job with that part of it. Although recently, I, one of my editors got back to me and was like, can you give less description in the fighting? <laughs> so I don't know if that was a personal taste or right, maybe right. I'm getting a little overboard now in my old age of laziness. But <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So so hopefully it plays through. Um, I'd love to hear from anybody listening who might read my books and see what they think.
0: As there, is there like a moment you can think of where like you had the conscious feeling of like, Oh, I know how this would normally play out in a fantasy book, but that knowing what I know, that doesn't make sense. So let me do it the the right way. Like, is, was there ever something like that?
1: No, I don't think so. You um, just
0: you don't you never even think the the corny way the first time around. You just
1: <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's all corny. Who knows? <laughs> maybe what's corny in real or corny to most readers, that's actually the real thing. You know, like truth is stranger than fiction. Right. Type <laughs> you know. Um, but I don't know. No, I don't. I mean, I've, I've definitely read people's books. so I won't name where I'm reading it. And I'm like, wow, this is just horrible. It doesn't make sense. Um, yeah. I read like the action in Game of Thrones and I love it. I love how he doesn't feel like he has to describe every single battle that they go into. Right. That's kind of cool. Um, I definitely did some of that in my second book too, uh, Retribution Calls, where there's like a big battle and a siege. And my one of my editors at the time was like, you got to go into detail about all this. And I was like, really? If somebody wants to read that, they can go get a history
0: book. <laughs> <and go over."
1: laughs> some other novel you've edited but I'm not yeah. going to do. That.
0: <laughs> <laughs> are you uh, are you a Glenn Cook fan? Have you read the the Chronicles of the Black Company?
1: Uh, I've been told I have to and I've checked it out and it looks really awesome. I just haven't yet because all my reading time is going towards books that I'm trying to adapt. Yeah,
0: yeah. And I sure, know that I of
1: course adapt that cuz the budget would be so high.
0: Yeah, um, no, it's 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 a cool um it, it takes a little getting used to it first because it's you know so it's a it's a mercenary company and you're reading the the Chronicles of, you know, the, the company's uh, historian. And, but he's writing a history, um, for the other members of the company. So he's not taking any time to explain, you know, the geography or anybody's nickname or, um, you know, the exact details of a famous battle because he'd assume that his audience would already know all that stuff. So it can be a little disorienting um at first but it's it's very cool to, like after a while it's a little refreshing when you're used to like kind of very yeah. flowery verbose fantasy to have very matter of fact uh fantasy and I just, I bring it up because I um I believe Glenn Cook uh was was in the navy and and a lot of uh veterans who've read Black Company say it it does a good job of capturing just being a grunt in the in the military and that that feeling well now you've convinced me <laughs> Because I am
1: that kind of reader. I think I would love that. Like, that's why I like screenplays is because I don't have to get bogged down by all this stuff that the author thought was important, but nobody else does. Right. Right. Uh, right. And lots of people, a lot of listeners will say, you know, they love Robert Jordan uh, and the Wheel of Time and all that. And like, obviously, he has some skill, but it's not for me as a reader. It doesn't work because it's just too much going on. It takes a year to go from point A to point B when if Brandon Sanderson wrote it without writing The Wheel of Time series, <laughs> right. which I know he took over at the end. Uh, like if that's if that's in um, uh, Mistborn, that would have taken like a day. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it's that kind of stuff that I try to capture as an author. Also, I, I always kind of promote myself because I started writing also in part because my brother didn't read. And I was like, well, I'm going to write something that he'll read. Mm-hmm. And, and so I wanted to kind of, you know, be not write for the simple man or write down in any way, but make sure that what I wrote was digestible and was something that you wouldn't have to like look in a dictionary or right. sit there and think about for an hour to try to figure out what the heck I'm saying. Right. Uh, so hopefully i captured that but i'm looking forward to reading glenn cook's black company now man
0: yeah they're they're cool (laughs) books um and it's very like it's also i don't think this is a is a huge spoiler but it was kind of meant to be you know the the fantasy reaction to to vietnam uh where this these characters are slowly having the realization that they're not fighting for the best reasons um it's it's a really really interesting series of books
1: Right now I'm reading uh, The Lies of Locke Lamora. Uh, oh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great one. Scott Lynch, is that who it is? Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah that's love a really – Love it, And I saw him at Gen Con uh, a, couple, a month ago or so, and such a smart dude who just has so much great advice for fellow authors, and his book is awesome and amazing and
0: inspired. Yeah, I, I love that one. i got to read the second one. Um, but so uh, are you are – you, you know, kind of making your living writing? Do you have a, a day job? What's, uh, not to get too personal, but I just kind of, um, for the, for the listeners, cause you you're clearly working a lot, uh, just trying to get the, uh, the listeners to get a sense of like what it's like out there for a, for a fantasy writer.
1: Yeah. I get those questions a lot. And so I wrote a book called uh, creative writing career. That's oh, a non book. Great. So yeah, it's kind of my advice on the writing world and how to break in and what you could do to set yourself up for it. And then a lot of interviews with screenwriters and video game writers and novelists and comic writers. Uh, so that's a good one if people just want like a whole bunch more than what I'm going to say here. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> that's great. I
0: was going to ask, what's your advice? Well, you already <laughs> everyone to go a buy and then we have a book. podcast.
1: <laughs> it's also called Creative Writing Career. Same name and uh, similar ideas there discussed. But uh, to answer your question, uh, so I was at Telltale, right, mm-hmm. for two years doing that as my thing. And then I left a couple months ago, I think four months already uh, ish to go work at military.com as an editor and writer, uh, writing articles for veterans, uh, helping mm-hmm. them transition out because this is something I've always believed in too. I also wrote a book uh, a year or so ago, a year and a half ago called military veterans and creative careers. Mm-hmm. And when I got out of the military, I had such a problem like knowing what to do next. Like I didn't believe that I could go be an actor or a writer or something like that because it just didn't seem like it would pay the bills. It didn't seem like the right responsible path, mm-hmm. you know, after you're in the Marines and it's, it's hundred percent the right responsible path. Although you might die. So that ignored. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, so I, I wanted to continue that path uh, with helping the veterans. So I've gotten uh, an, an awesome gig working at Military.com. And I get to write some fun creative articles that are like one I did is four lessons you can learn in the game uh, to survive in the workplace uh, based on Game of Thrones. <laughs> and the title was not that at all. It was much more SEO appropriate, I'm sure. But... Right. <laughs> yeah. And then another reason I did that is because when you're working at a game company, uh, a lot of the times you will not have your own time to be creative. Mm-hmm. So like there was a period there where I'd be working until midnight and then getting up at like four or five yeah. to work some more just to get stuff done on time. And not because I procrastinate by any means, but that's just the schedule that they put. Yeah,
0: I know that the games world can be kind of ludicrous with its schedules.
1: Yeah. So if you are an aspiring author or screenwriter and don't see yourself as a hundred percent a video game writer and nothing else, then that might not be the right place for you. And My current job is much more cool. My boss is also an author who also studied at Johns Hopkins for his writing degree, master's. Uh, And so he kind of gets it, you know. And Mm -hmm. so I'm able to wake up in the morning, write for an hour or two, go to work, kick butt, go home, write some more on the train home in the evenings, open up my computer, write some more. And it's my stuff. It's not right somebody else's stuff and that's kind of like you know the idea of entrepreneurship and stuff where you're you're working to make somebody else rich i love writing on game of thrones and those other properties but it's still at the end of the day it's like it's writing somebody else's thing that's gonna Uh make them rich make them fulfilled and and you might have an idea of where you want it to go and where you want certain characters to go but it's somebody else controlling that so it doesn't feel creative it feels like you're trying to paint by color paint by numbers Uh you know what i mean versus if i go write this fourth book in my fantasy trilogy that's going to have some underpinnings of time travel and a weird roundabout way right that's amazing and i'm like super excited about that you know and i wake up and i i wake up at four and it's not like a, a chore it's i'm excited to write this amazing scene in my book today you know what i mean yeah um, so on the on the money side though it's definitely more the job paying the bills <laughs> uh, i've recently hit my first uh, hundred dollar day and on the novel ebook side of things nice so just congratulations dollars a day well, yeah which is it's good it's a uh, you know not you know I'm not throwing dollar bills out the window as I drive down the street.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But it's not nothing either. I mean, especially for And then there's the screenplay
1: sale. And there's some side video game gigs that I'm doing, little freelance things here and there. Mm -hmm. And then there's also the print books. And we just launched, um, I'm going to put an asterisk next to this. Somebody I know uh, just wrote some Minecraft books. And they launched those. And they're doing cool. You know, they've sold, we just launched them a couple weeks ago. And they've already sold like 30 print copies, which Mm -hmm. it's hard to sell print copies as an indie author. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of fun. And uh, yeah, lots of cool things going on.
0: But so you are you are primarily paying the bills by writing?
1: Well, hundred percent. But um, at military.com I'm a writer slash editor right. also, so it depends how you define that. Yeah. Right, gotcha, gotcha. So <laughs> writing but not
0: writing, but not all not primarily your own stuff
1: yet. Yeah. And to to define paying the bills in California, for anybody who wants to be an author <laughs> in Northern California, let me just tell you daycare is three thousand a month, rent three thousand a month, student God. loans are two thousand a month for me and my wife and buy so, like, if you're going to be an author paying the bills, you better be freaking five times better than Glenn <laughs> Cook, probably.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I, uh, I, live in New York, which is probably uh, – San Francisco is probably the only place in the U.S. more expensive. Maybe D.C. I think it's – yeah, New York, D.C., San Francisco are, like, the most expensive cities in the U.S. to live yeah. from what I understand
1: problem is it's like a drug that's good for you you know so it's, <laughs> you're addicted and you just can't get away and why would you want to because yeah. i love the weather here the people the everything the atmosphere the aura it's just it's all great i don't want to leave <laughs> the kids love it what can you do
0: yeah <laughs>
1: well just write more books i guess
0: yeah just keep writing um well before we uh before we wrap it up is there anything you wanted to to plug that didn't get mentioned do you want to tell people where they can uh you know look up your stuff if they're interested in checking it out
1: Yes, actually, there's uh, I'll say two things. Well, so my website's justinsloanauthor.com.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, that's probably the best one, but that's all book stuff. If you want everything else like screenwriting and stuff too, I, I have a blog at justin.m.sloane.com that I started a long time ago before I decided to go with Justin Sloane as a name.
0: <laughs> okay, so it's justinsloanauthor.com and yeah. justin.m.sloane.com. Correct. Yeah. Great.
1: So those are those are great ways. Twitter, of course, uh, at Twitter for me is uh, at Justin M. Sloan also. So I know I'm confusing people here with this, but all
0: right. <laughs> I think we, we have, <laughs> listen, we have, we have a smart literary crowd. They'll figure it out.
1: Awesome. <laughs> Great. And then we have this thing that I've been super excited about. I only started three weeks ago. It's called InstaFreebie. Have you heard of this? I haven't. Oh my God, man. Any author should check this out. And also we've, we did a podcast episode recently where we interviewed Ashley from Insta Freebie. OK, because we, we were just so psyched about it. And we were talking about also how maybe video game writers and screenwriters could try to take advantage of it. But really, it's it's for authors uh, and and I have a few books on there. And so I could send you a link to one. But one is basically um, a, a short story that's a spinoff, kind of kind of a prequel to My Falls of Redemption trilogy. But it tells a story about a character that you think is dead and is not mm-hmm. spoiler. So that's cool. Uh, yeah, so it's kind of a cool and it, that might spin off into its own trilogy at some point. So so anyway, it's free on there along with a, a few other books that I've listed on on Insta freebie. Uh, you could probably just search or go to my Twitter. I tweet about them all the time because what's cool about that company is you tweet about them and they tweet about you back and then they share you on their blog post and on their newsletter and all this stuff. So it, it's really great for an author because there's lots of sites where you can put free books out there, but there's not a lot where they'll promote the heck out of you back. Uh, so anyway, yeah. so I've been excited about that. And then what it is, is a newsletter build, of it. you know, like you get the email addresses and you build up your author newsletter and that's how you stay in touch with your fans and you try to build your 1000 fans and all that. Um, so that's fun. And then one last thing is the adaption stuff. Mm-hmm. So like I mentioned, we're working with John L. Monk now, uh, we might branch out after that. We have been talking about doing some kind of cool business thing, but I don't want to go into too, too much details yet because we haven't sure. started it, but I think it will be awesome. So if there are people out there who think that their books would make amazing movies that are not super high budget, I definitely want to chat. You know, like our goal right now is to make them that are not crazy budgets because we are not with like the top management company in L.A. or something. We're more like indie. We want to go like the indie route, you know, and like mm-hmm. just get projects out there and get them made. And and that tends to mean, you know, a few locations, a few casts. Um, and sometimes, you know, books can be adapted to fit that better. Like this one that I did with Sean and David Crash, uh, it's called. The screenplay's going to be called something else because there's too many movies called Crash. Right. <laughs> like that one was like, you know, it's pretty limited. It has maybe like four or five locations, not too many, like 10, 15 people maybe. Something like that. And if even if the book doesn't, the screenplay version does. So. Right. So anyway, so I'll be happy to chat with people about that or if they just have questions uh, about the process, you know, they can either chat with me or just send us an email and chat about it on my podcast.
0: That's awesome. All right. Thanks, Justin, very much for your time. This was a really interesting conversation. I appreciate you, you hopping on with us.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. It's been, been really great. I hope it was useful.
0: It definitely was. Thanks a lot. Take care.
2: Okay, so, Engagement Therapy will premiere on Tuesday, September 6th. I am the host of the podcast. My name is Jess Kelly Madera. I'm going to be telling Chris, my sister, stories about real weddings. When people talk about weddings, they don't really tell the truth a lot, especially when you're getting married. You're supposed to be at your most romantically sound, I guess, and that's just not fair or true it's too expensive and too um, emotional to be easy it's a really stressful time and uh, it can be really straining for couples and families and you know a lot of different relationships and uh, it makes it feel like everybody's wedding is perfect but yours And that's not true. Engagement Therapy is the show where we'll talk about the stuff about weddings that people don't talk about. To hear our stories, check us out at engagementtherapy.com. Thank you to the singer and the songwriter for the use of their song, Yes Today, throughout this episode.